I'm always surprised when I, I sit down up here and start singing, and then I, I look around afterwards and all the people that just appear. It's wonderful to see you. Um, before we get started today, I want to take time to pray for, uh, for Molly Clark and, uh, and her family. Molly emailed us last night. For you who don't know Molly, Molly uh, is the gathering coordinator, and you oftentimes see her on Sunday mornings sharing announcements or, or important things that we're doing. This last year, this year, uh, her father's been battling cancer, and uh, we've been praying a lot for uh, Molly, her family, her dad, um, knowing that you know, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. That's that's kind of been on everyone's mind, and and people have been praying for for him. And I don't know how many of you have actually known, because uh, you've got to talk with Molly, that, that her dad's also battling cancer. And she just found out yesterday that the treatment is not isn't taking anymore. And um, so she's not here with us this morning. And I asked if we could pray for her father and her and her family. And I want to encourage you. There's just been a tremendous outpouring of love for, for my family and my dad as he's battling cancer. And we just, all, all that love, we just want to encourage you to give to Molly and her family also. So um, that can be cards, that can be meals, it can just be reaching out. And I want to encourage you to to not just make it a one-week thing. It's easy for us to, you know, just be really good at caring for a short amount of time, but um, just just keep reaching out. You know, if you say, hey, I'm going to pray for you, do it. If you say, hey, anything we can do, just keep asking that, uh, even if it's just just reaching out. So uh, let's pray for Molly and her family. Father, Thank you that we can come to you. You've, you've not shut off any part of your heart to us. The doors of heaven aren't closed. You've invited us to come and to pour our hearts to you, to, to cry even in like words we don't know, just, just even in emotions to you because you understand us. And we come together today. We've come to learn about you uh, right now, as, as many, maybe for the first time, have heard about Molly and her dad battling, her dad battling cancer. God, we just with one heart and mind pray for him. Uh, God, we, we do pray, God, if you would touch him with healing, God, you would do that. We know beyond healing touch, we long just for hearts that are at peace. Father, I pray that that the love that is so mingled probably with sadness right now um, that isn't isn't broken by anything, isn't broken by a hurt or uh, anticipation of what's next or, or anything like that. God, we just pray that God, you will just be so present with them as they spend time together. I pray for the refuge that now knows, um, knows how serious this is, that, that we won't just go about our business this week, 
reach out and love really well. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are now uh, nearly two months into our sermon series, Jesus Said That, and the reason why we're preaching a sermon series on what Jesus said is because although many of us are very familiar with Jesus and Jesus' words, sometimes that familiarity leads us to be a little overconfident in how much we actually comprehend and obey what Jesus actually said. And uh, I think many of us, we, we just think that there is some power in association or proximity. And so we come together or we talk together about Jesus and we make really amazing proclamations of allegiance to Jesus. God, my whole life is yours, everything in it. You know, I'm just, I'm your, I'm your boy. Or we proclaim just incredible love for him, like my whole heart is yours. With everything in me, I love you. And then we go about our weeks and, and how, how much of that actually comes to life. And so we just want to look at some of Jesus' words. Uh, we've looked at uh, the words of Jesus, uh, starting with, don't invite those over to your home who can invite you back. That was now several months ago, right, that we looked at that. Are we doing that? Or are we constantly drawing around as people that we're just really comfortable with, that, that we get and they get us? Are we inviting people into our home that might never receive an invitation, people who who go about living very lonely lives. And maybe it scares us to open our hearts to them because maybe they'll just be takers. Or maybe Jesus will share his redemptive love through you and they can be someone who in turn goes and invites people into their home also. So we've just kind of been traveling and and I realize as we've talked about this, I've said we're gonna share some convicting words of Jesus and some encouraging words of Jesus. And we've gone through even his encouraging words and found them to be tremendously convicting. So so today we're gonna look at um, the words of Jesus in Mark, uh, Mark 10, and this is actually repeated in, uh, in Matthew also. So just follow this story with me. And actually, before I read this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of put you in the mood for this story. Do you remember how good candy tasted when you were a child? See, I, yeah, most said it still tastes good. See, I'm, I'm more of like a savory guy now. I remember <laughs> Hannah asked me, asked me yesterday, she said, did you get in trouble very much as a child? And I, I didn't get in trouble a ton as a child, but I remember this one time stealing the candy from the candy drawer. Yeah, I did. I did. And a little paper bag, I took it out to the garden. And I don't know why, because the garden's like right by the main road. But when you are deeply entrenched in sin, you just aren't aware of anything else. And I was just there with my loot in the garden, just, just eating it. And why? Because it was just so delicious. Do you remember when you were a child and you, you cried with the expectation of comfort? 
You cried with the expectation of comfort. Now, if candy is still good for you, I think for a lot of us, we'll admit as adults, if we cried right now, we, will you be comforted? Will you have somebody be like, come here, you know, stroking your hair, like go to bed early, you know? Probably not. There's not that expectation of, of the comfort that many of us came to, to know and expect as a child. There are many of these things. I mean, I could share story after story of the, the expectations we have as kids because we assume that, that we, in our vulnerable place, will simply be cared for. Well, that, that goes away. It goes away quickly, and not only does it go away, but we want it to go away as kids. We're like, I just can't wait till I can smoke, and I can drink, and I can eat all my candy. <laughs> right? Okay, maybe not the first two things, but we do want to eat all the candy we can, okay? And so what Jesus is saying is he goes, hey, look back at the attitude of a child. The attitude of a child, which is that of humble acceptance. <laughs> Just knowing if, there's, if you cry, you'll be comforted, right? Or, or the humble acceptance of the, the richness of candy. Or whatever it is in our lives, you know, the anticipation of Christmas. Or those things that we just, that come maybe more easily for children. And Jesus is pointing back to that and going, hey, there's parts of that. That, that we need to not just remember, but if we don't remember and if we don't live with that same attitude, we'll actually completely miss out on the kingdom of God. And so in Mark 10, this is what happens. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Now, <laughs> this is kind of an interesting context. Jesus was in the middle of teaching, we get from earlier in this chapter, and, and these parents have the best field trip planned of the, the kids' lives, right? I mean, you thought, like, like, the Science Center was cool. Like, imagine going to see Jesus. Like, science just gets a whole, you're like, Mom, let's do that at home. They're like, I just don't know. I just can't heal that guy. You know, like, they're going in for a really cool experience with Jesus, and here are the disciples rebuking them. And the word rebuke here is the same word when Jesus, like, rebukes a demon or, like, rebukes the wind and the waves. That's the same thing that's happening. With that authority, the disciples are assuming that authority on themselves to, to like, Jesus rebuking a demon. They're rebuking these children. This is getting out of control. And Jesus, seeing this, becomes indignant. He becomes angry. And he says to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. So we're just going to kind of go through this slowly. We're going to look at the invitation of Jesus, the explanation of Jesus, and then the, what we we're just calling, looking at verse 16 here, the, the embrace of Jesus. So let the little children come to me. What is Jesus doing when he invites the little children to come to him? Who are the little children? Well, in one way, it's just little kids, right? Little kids that don't have a lot to offer, but in a way, children throughout the Gospels, those who are vulnerable, those who don't have a lot to offer, is what children represent. 
There are a lot of people in this category, a lot of people who are powerless, who if the disciples rebuke, they can't name their title, their position, why they deserve to see Jesus, right? Like, no child's going to be like, well, I have so much to offer. No, like when the disciples push them away, all they can do is step back. And so who these little children are and who they represent is a whole group of people who the door's been shut to because they don't have access based upon their position, their power, their authority. They represent a group of vulnerable people. But Jesus wants them to come to him. He wants them to come to him in such a way that there is no hindrance to them coming. No hindrance, and so they can ask him any question they want. And kids ask, by and large, way better questions than adults do, okay? They're, they're way more insightful. We know the story of the, you know, the, the emperor's new clothes, where, where the kid asks a very simple question that kind of reveals everything else, right? Why is that man walking naked? That's a great question. <laughs> you know? And these stories, that, th- these questions that we have, the questions that kids have are like, Jesus, why do you look so sad? Well, probably everyone else who gathered around if Jesus was looking sad, they just wouldn't care because they would want Jesus simply to fulfill their needs or answer their huge questions. They would ask a question like, now Jesus, could you create a rock so big that not even you could lift it? See, that that question's not leading anywhere, but a question that a child could ask is, Jesus, can you come to my house and play later? Now, that's a great question. (laughs) why because it's fun and if Jesus comes to your house that's just a good day okay (laughs) okay there are also questions that kids could ask that we would just dance around we would ask a huge question like why is there pain in the world while a child would ask a question like why did my daddy leave why is he not home anymore Right? So, so while we don't even know how to form questions anymore, the children are getting to the heart of the issue. And so Jesus is going, as he sees them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God is belonging to these. These who are vulnerable, these who are unimportant, those who are unenlightened. And don't hinder them. See, I think we're confused too often by the filters that we have. And the filter that we have is what I'm just going to call our adult ego. Our adult ego, which is so consumed with our own status and our own importance, our own ideas of self-advancement. How do I know this? Well, because when this is retold in another gospel, in the gospel of Matthew, um, if we can get, I think we have... Gospel, perfect. Listen, this is how we know that our questions have to deal with advancement and self-importance. At the time the disciples came to, to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, that's, what, that's what's important to them, their adult ego. And he called a little child to him and placed a child among them, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like the little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Why did Jesus 
say, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God is for such as these. Is because literally he goes, by, by inviting the kids and the questions they have and the posture they take, the rest of us will understand how to come to God. So if we go back to Mark, I want to talk a little more about what hindrance can look like. Because, because I fi- think if we, we would find ourselves maybe in the same position as the disciples. And so we shouldn't make fun of them. Even though the disciples are very easy to pick on if you read the Gospels. They, they act in such ways that we're like, man, you just don't get it. And, and then we're kind of like, I don't get it either. And, and because they're pushing away because we have dis- adult matters to discuss. And, and, or... or they just aren't behaving right. They're just climbing all over Jesus, right? And then Jesus is like, this is great. Now, we get to see this a lot in the work that I get to be a part of as the Coffee Oasis. The different postures people take when they approach the kids that come into the Coffee Oasis. And in our volunteer training, um, we discuss different types of people and their approach to kids. There's the user who is often predatory, and there are those people in the world who are predatory. These are uh, predators see the youth in ways uh, that they can take advantage of the kids. Right? That is a posture that some adults take. There are authoritarian people, people who try to change the youth's behavior. And I see this oftentimes. I, even people who come in with great intentions to care for youth, they do not know how to not just scold or boss around the child when they, when they get out of line. I, I saw this recently when, um, you know, kids are coming to the coffee oasis to be cared for. All sorts of kids. They're coming to the coffee oasis to be cared for, and yet I see some adults who come and they go through the volunteer training and they come with great ambition to love, and yet when they see a child doing something wrong, all they can do is bark at them. And I don't even know if they know it's coming out of them, but, but they see someone breaking the rules. Instead of coming up, there's, there's a difference between someone coming up and saying, hey, I see you're smoking here, and I, I just want to let you know, like, we really do want you here, uh, but you can't smoke here. There's a difference between that and going, hey, stop smoking! Same, same message, just delivered in very different ways, right? And yet, I, I, I see this all the time. And it, the intention is to love, and yet something comes out of us that we're just, right, the authoritarian, or the rescuer, the people with big hearts but no boundaries. And so, so they don't know how to, to sh- show love by sometimes saying the hard thing, but in, in a loving way. And then there's the, the safe person, and... That's the good option. If you want to be one of these people, be the safe person, okay? It's a compassionate person who has clear boundaries and good intentions, and they stick around, right? And, and where do we fall, though? And I, and, I, and I wanted to share this because I think oftentimes we find ourselves being a hindrance to others for one way or another. And, and I think a lot of us is because Trying to keep our adult ego in check, we've built up all these rules, just like the Pharisees built up all these rules around the the law, right? Okay, I know the law says, you know, don't do this, and so I'm just going to build a fortress of rules around that. And so the way we come at people is we're like, hey, 
First, what you got to do first before you get to know, before you sit on Jesus' lap, you need to, you need to obey all these rules, okay? Jesus only wants you to sit on his lap if. And Jesus is like, man, just let them come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these, the unimportant, the unenlightened, the powerless, the vulnerable. But for many of us, we've worked so hard to look important. We've looked so hard to to look enlightened, worked so hard to be powerful or have a position where eventually we don't need Jesus anymore. And so if we cry out, we just aren't sure if anyone will come and comfort us. We see the beauty of the earth and we don't know how to rejoice in it anymore because we're so driven by our own ideas of what life should be if I apply myself fully. Right? Jesus says, don't hinder them from coming to me because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So a big question I have for you is, does Jesus pose a threat to your life plans? And if he does, you're going to try to protect yourself in weird ways that keep you from Jesus. Because Jesus did not pose a threat to these children, and so they came. And then Jesus' explanation is simply this. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. His explanation is this. The kingdom of God has to be received. The kingdom of God has to be received. The kingdom of God cannot be taken. You cannot be important enough, enlightened enough, powerful enough to take the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God has a king sitting on its throne that is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In the book of Daniel... As Nebuchadnezzar, who's humbled, the powerful king who's humbled, and he finally sees God and he says, his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom lasts from generation to generation. He says, no, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? And that kingdom cannot be taken from that king. It can only be received from that king. It can only be received in the way a child receives. And the way a child receives is humble acceptance. And you see kids that don't receive by humble acceptance. And sometimes, you know, I don't want to romanticize childhood. Jesus is pointing to a very specific example here. But you see kid who, kids who also very early have to fend for themselves. And it isn't a humble. You just have to fight for it. And some of us maybe learn later in life. We start having to fight for it. We can't receive anything. It's not humble acceptance anymore. Now, <clears throat> to just draw out this comparison a little more because I realize we're getting a little serious. I just want to give a great contrast between the humble acceptance we ask of kids and the not so humble acceptance we have as adults. So <laughs> I was writing this sermon yesterday. I was actually kind of working on it in bed and, and Hannah was like, why do you keep laughing? Because I kept thinking of these really funny examples. The first being, <laughs> you know when kids get in a fight and, and the adults are like, um, Amy, you need to apologize to Susie. And Amy's like, I'm sorry, Susie. And you're like, you need to mean it. 
I see you don't mean it. You know, they're like, Susie, I'm really sorry. Be specific. I'm really sorry for pulling your hair. Now, Amy, hug Susie. You need to hug her, okay? And they go in, and they hug, and then they're okay. Now, imagining this working out at work, okay? Amy, you need to hug Susie. Hell no! You know, it's like, that's, what, that's what's going on here. You're like, no way we're not going to hug it. I hate this person. And we're just okay with grudge matches, right? Like, that's just what adulthood is made of. Okay, now the second thing. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine um, a child who's like, they're, they've just waited too long to eat their cereal. Um, Mom, the milk's warm. You need to finish your, your cereal, right? Now, okay, now I'm not going to belabor these things, but now I want to imagine that you've ordered an extra hot latte. You need that thing to be 210 degrees. And then you get one that's 180 degrees, and you're like, I almost got brain freeze drinking your 180 degree latte. You need to make me another one, right? And, and what if the barista was like, hey, just drink the latte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah, you're like, just finish it, and I'll get you another. No, it's, that is not the way it works. Okay, sleep patterns. We could just go on, right? Sleep patterns. I, you know, I want you to imagine someone telling you, okay, you can't watch another show, you need to go to bed. And you're like, I pay for the electricity, I pay for the cable, and sure as anything, I'm going to stay up and watch this show. <laughs> you know, and then you wake up and you're like, why am I so tired? <laughs> it's funny, but we are so silly, and yet we're like, I'm an adult. Which all that means is you have no control of your life anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the, the disciples, those that people are, people who receive the kingdom of, of God, people who live by learning from Jesus, live by coming to Jesus, those who are travelers on the kingdom are those who have chosen this simple way of humble acceptance. That's all Jesus is saying. They've learned to just come to Jesus. And by coming to Jesus, they receive the words of Jesus. And because of that, they receive the embrace of Jesus. And I, I love the way this ends. And he took the child in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. This embrace of Jesus. Now, children require hugs, right? I remember <laughs> putting my nephew to sleep when I was um, in, in Denver. And, uh, and Oe, he goes... If you snuggle me, I will go to bed. If you do not snuggle me, I will not go to bed. And I was like, okay, well, I guess you're not going to bed because I'm not snuggling you. <laughs> I actually told him that. It wasn't a bright moment. Um, the thing is, adults require hugs too, right? And yet we don't, we don't ask for them. And if we do, we just don't, we don't necessarily expect them. Now the child, I remember um chloe john streep's little daughter she's coming in i remember her always going huggy hug you know and just coming in to get hugged and this is the thing 
Jesus is inviting us to come into his embrace, but he goes, you're not gonna receive my embrace unless you take the posture of a child of humble acceptance. Now, when was the last time you felt embraced by God? When was the last time you made yourself vulnerable to God so you could draw close enough to him so he could embrace you? Guys, you you can't receive the embrace of God if you still have the posture of, man, well, I, you know, God, I'm coming to you on, on these terms in this way, and we keep him at arm's length, you know, stiff-arming him and yet going like, but why don't I feel your embrace? And that's why I encourage us to take the posture of humble acceptance, learning to come to Jesus like a child. Now, I want to be really clear that this is not an anti-intellectual gospel. This isn't going, well, you, you got to give up knowledge to know God. What it's saying is, Jesus is showing you the way of understanding. It's not anti-intellectualism. It's actually saying, I want you to, again, learn how to learn. I want you to learn how to learn from Jesus. You don't need to posture anymore. Well, God, can you lift a stone so, you know? No, Jesus is going, come to me and ask me the questions you actually have. Tell me what's actually going on in your heart and come close enough for me to embrace you. And that is his invitation to you. And I think as adults, we are the ones so often confused. We don't know what's going on in our hearts. We don't know what's going on in our minds. And so this week, my encouragement for you is is simply to do this, to ask that God will just take away break down, dismember your intellectualism, the way that you've tried to (laughs) form your adult ego so you didn't need anything or anyone else and so you can get close enough. And maybe this week just going, God, I don't even know how to ask questions yet. I don't even know how to to ask that you would show me your way. I just want to feel your embrace. I just want to get close enough for you, you to love me. That's my challenge for you this week. Pray with me. Father, for some of us, I think it feels way too vulnerable to ask a question we don't have the answer to or, or maybe even think of ourselves as needing to come to you because we just kind of want to do it on our own still. God, some of us are just fighters. And we feel like if we put down our defenses, then we just don't know if anyone or anything will protect us. God, show us your way. I pray that we will hear your invitation again to come. God, I pray if some of us, man, just haven't felt loved or cared for a long time, I pray that feel your love this week, your embrace, your invitation to come and respond to it. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.